This is Arby. And this is Michael. And you're listening to Powerverse. A weekly look at what it means to be gay and queer in the world today. Get into it. Henny. <laughs> On this episode of Powerverse, but my soul and my spirit is so separate from what my worldly existence is. And I'm getting to a place where I think that my spirit or my soul doesn't have a gender. Welcome to episode three of uh, of season one of Powerverse, the podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for sticking with us. If you've made it this far, we either haven't offended you. <laughs> yet. Or you just enjoy watching a couple of messes talk about their lives. Either way, we're grateful that you're here still. Today we are discussing... Uh, times in our life when we've been on our knees, but not, <laughs> but not in the way that uh, you probably expect us. Today we're talking about spirituality and religion and why we feel it's important to process this part of our lives. And we spent a lot of time discussing this episode of what do we want to bring to the table. We knew that we wanted to talk about spirituality. We think that spirituality is something, it's I would important. say it's important to center one's life in something Mm-hmm, for sure. And as we were going through discussing what points we wanted to bring up or what research that we've done, I think we really struggled because uh, this is such a personal it's, it's part he- it's of. It's personal. It's heavy. Yeah. It's heavy material. And we have no right to prescribe anything to anyone and to tell anyone what they should or shouldn't believe. And I think that that's probably like the basis for most of our thoughts on spirituality in general exactly. is that we can't impose or our views or our thoughts on anyone. So instead of doing that and instead of like trying to figure out, well, what do as the creators of this podcast and the creators of you know, this power verse theory, what is it that people should or shouldn't think? Instead of doing that, what we want to do today is we're going to just tell our stories. We want to illuminate how spirituality fits in our daily walk as gay men and share. Exactly. Anything. We're, we're, we're sharing. What we're trying to do here, honestly, for all of you guys, is uh, as we just talk about spirituality, hopefully this is just, can we can crack this open, that we can make this a part of our conversations with our friends. And, you know, this is literally the first time that Arby and I have been friends for many, many years that we've really sat down and talked about what do we believe and what do we care about personally. Mm -hmm. And that's surprising that we've been friends for this long and really haven't had a chance to sit down and talk about it. And also, this is really the first time, I think, for both of us that we've kind of asked ourselves, well, what is it that we believe necessarily? And we both have very interesting Backgrounds. Very, very backgrounds. I mean, mine's pretty vanilla, if you will. (laughs) What brought me to this point today? But let's dive in. I guess the way we want to start this is a very simple question. Are you spiritual? Where where do you exist on that that spectrum? Is, Is spirituality important to you? I would call myself a spiritual but not religious person. I think that I'm spiritual in the sense that I may, may, may or may not believe in, in a God, but I do feel like if there is a God, this idea is love. And that love is the defining characteristic of any type of God that I would believe in. 
And I, I really try to feel love and compassion and empathy towards people. And that is rooted in this very crazy, weird experience and road that I, this path that I walked on to learn those lessons. I mean, what about you? Are you spiritual? Yes. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I have trouble with religion. Um, I have my spiritual beliefs and I believe in a connection to God and Jesus that is personal to me, that helps me to find value in, in my life. So it helps me to establish more purpose in my walk. Let me just dig in a little. How do you square this love of Jesus and this love of God? That's, I mean, you're you're a Christian for more mm. more or less, right? I mean, right. do you identify, do you identify I, I, as a Christian? I, I, I'm a Christian man. Yes. Right there, you go. I mean, you're a Christian gay man. I know that those are not those don't have to be mutually exclusive things, right? I mean, we've talked about this that they really don't. And I know lots of people. My friend Brian Murphy, he has a great podcast that if people are interested in any type of theology should listen to. It's called Queer Theology. You know, he is this amazing, beautiful, bisexual man who's been on this you know, journey of sexuality for a while. And he firmly believes that there is a God and firmly believes uh, in Jesus Christ. In fact, I mean, he, he thinks that like queerness only adds to Christianity as opposed to takes away from it. So he has some really cool thoughts. I would recommend going, checking him out. We'll post a, we'll link to it on our Facebook as well so everyone can see. I know lots of Christian gay people that live really, really fulfilled lives. Maybe we just in the circles that we run in or the the lifestyle that we live, we don't encounter this as much. But but I just wonder for you, have you struggled with squaring being Christian and being gay? Or Absolutely. do you feel like you have to hide it? Do you feel like you have to like, maybe compartmentalize it? Absolutely. I think in my walk with who I am and my sexual identity, I had to come to terms with how that fits within my spiritual belief system of Christianity. It's a challenge. At first, I, I didn't think that because of my circumstances of, of, of who I am that I could also be Christian and gay. Hmm. And religion and Christianity was a large part of the reason that took me a very long time to accept myself, which is kind of crazy considering Christianity is supposed to help you find fulfillment in who you are. And mm. then I had to realize that I can be a Christian and I can be gay. As we said, that, that these things aren't mutually exclusive. Right. They don't, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. So, do you feel shame ever? Yeah, of course. So what I have to do is what I realize in my spiritual journey and my Christianity is that you have to separate your spiritual walk and your relationship with God and your relationship with Jesus, you have to separate that from everyone else's. Hmm. And you have to try to not, you have to not allow everyone else's interpretation of their relationship with Christianity and their relationship with their spiritual being impact what it is that your walk is. Because at the end of the day, what I believe is that that's your own spiritual journey and that's your own, that's your own walk. And there's some people that retool Christianity that makes it very difficult to find balance in it being gay. Right. A lot of gay people spend their childhoods, you know, growing up in these really hyper-Christian environments that... Like me. Like you. Yeah. They feel a lot of self-loathing, and they're told that being gay 
is wrong and that God doesn't want them to be gay and God's not going to love you if you're if you're gay. And I think that it's really natural when you come out, especially if you have family that is not in supportive of you. It's really easy to just be like, well, fuck you and fuck all of this. And yeah. I'm not, I and, fuck and, God. And, honestly. That's, and I went through that period. And I think that a lot of queer people struggle with that. And, and one of the things that has been comforting for me in this, again, as we talk, is a rolling enlightenment hmm. with, with my spirituality is I look at it as I am gay and this is my being, but my soul and my spirit is so separate from what my worldly existence is. Hmm. It's in, in a sense, it's at a higher level. And that's what I'm conditioning and treating with in my in my spiritual beliefs. It's beyond this flesh. Right. This flesh is great, and and in this fleshly body, I am enjoying sex, and that's fine, and and doing things. But what I'm really nurturing is my spirit, and I'm getting to a place where I think that my spirit or my soul doesn't have a gender hmm. or sexual identity. Mm-hmm. As you said, it's all it's full of love. Mm. And that love is going to transcend and it's not going to be judged on what I am in this flesh. And this is kind of a thought that I've been thinking through. And who knows this, if this is, this is right and, and I'm really just being very vulnerable and sharing this. You know, when we think about Christianity and what, what I know of it, it, it it's love. And, and love dissolves all. The brand of Christianity that I understand loves me for who I am. Hmm. Oh, good. Yeah. I love you for who you are. Whore um, and all. <laughs> but all joking aside, I mean, I think that something that's frustrating about Christianity, literally so many people miss the mark, mm-hmm. is that Jesus spent most of his time with those that society had cast off. I think that if Jesus lived today, he would be walking with the queers, with trans people. Mm-hmm. He'd be walking with addicts. For sure. He'd be walking with those that that the world has cast out as outsiders because he was an outsider. And if you really dig in, it's just, there's nothing in there about sexuality. Your background, you, you're rooted in the word. <laughs> yeah, do you want to break me apart a little? Do you want to break <laughs> me down? I find your, your spiritual walk to be very intriguing. H- how the hell did you, you know, go from this, like, Christian background to Mormonism to where you where you are with your belief system right now. When I was sixteen, I, on my own, joined the Mormon Church, and what led to that decision? How did how'd you get there? I well, I mean, the short story is this, I and mean, we can die. I mean, I'll tell the short story. We can yeah. dive in a little, right? So my best friend, she comes home from she was at ballet school in Boston, and she when she left, she was this, uh, she was pretty depressed and had a lot of issues and just sad and she came back and she was glowing. She joined the Mormon church, uh, long story short, and she started inviting me and it made sense at the time for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but why? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I said, I was like, it made sense <laughs> I, at the time, kind of. So, so when I, and I was Mormon for seven years and uh, then I left the Mormon church when I came out. So that's the short story. Right. Was that another person? I consider it to be my greatest piece of performance art. <laughs> um, she loves a narrative. I like a narrative. I have to make sense of this chapter of my life that was not, it wasn't a minor 
thing that I did. It wasn't a, it's not like, uh, oh, I really liked going to youth group with a friend. And for like a couple of months, I went to youth group at the Mormon church. This was a full immersion, 100%. I thought that I believed it, thought that I... I mean, you baptized how many? Hmm. <laughs> I baptized more than 100 people into this religion. And I think it's really sad to me sometimes to look back at him at this person yeah who's just not me i just i look at pictures of myself and i'll post some on our facebook group so you can really get the full experience here but you know i look at that boy and i think who god was that? yeah what was he doing how confused he was so this is where i want to challenge you a bit you became mormon mm -hmm. and you you're kind of looking back at that and you're like who was this person is that centered around Mormonism, or isn't that kind of just a general question we all ask ourselves? And is that separate from, from, from religion? If you really look at, like, what was I seeking out at that time? Well, there's a couple of things, right? First and foremost, I mean, I was confused as fuck about my sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I think joining the Mormon church was absolutely in direct response to not wanting to be gay. And I, I just didn't it. want to be gay. And it's not because my family was homophobic or that I lived in a, you know, I grew up in, you know, in Portland, in the suburbs outside mm -hmm. of Portland. I, it was extremely liberal. You know, I didn't have any gay references in my life besides the fact that I performed mm -hmm. and I knew of gay men that were performers, but I didn't really get what that was. I had been told I was gay by lots of people. Just, oh, you don't know, you know you're gay, you just don't know it yet. Same. And I hate, I oh, hated it was the worst. that. It was, don't tell me fuck who you. I am. Don't fucking tell me don't, what. Don't tell me how to think. Don't, no. Don't, yeah, I and don't it. tell me what I want, what I like. I mean, I didn't yeah. even know what I liked, you know, I didn't know what I was attracted to necessarily. Or did you know? That's the context, did you, right? Diane? <laughs> did you? I had to. I had to. <laughs> I mean, the context is, you know, yeah, like, you know, you start hearing this starting at age 10, 11, 12. That's when I was performing and people were telling me, you're gay, you're gay, just accept it. And they, they didn't mean it in like a negative way. They just were making a decision for me that wasn't their decision to make and wasn't their right to say. But then, but then it started to be true. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, then uh, I started looking at, you know, boys and I started looking at gay porn or, and I started or less gay porn. I was really into I was into groups with lots of guys and one girl. I wonder why. You wanted, oh, my gosh. That progression. <laughs> oh, if we're talking about my porn progression. <laughs> That's for a, That's a whole other episode. episode. I... You know, I started noticing men. And then I said to my best friend, this is before she became Mormon. You know, there's a, I remember I was at Cannon Beach. I'm on my dad's first laptop. She and I are on AOL Instant Messenger. And I remember saying to her, I think I might like guys as well as girls. That moment was really scary and vulnerable. She's the only person that ever heard me say that before I went and sucked it all mm -hmm, back inside. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't have any role models in my life to come out. And my parents, bless them, they didn't have the tools either. And they probably didn't even know. I don't think my dad had any I mean, clue. and also this time, if we think about... It's 2003. This, this is 2003, gay role models, you know. No, we had, that, oh, you had Ellen. Really right, I mean, you have Ellen, kind of. But, but you also, like, in 1988, you had Matthew Shepard being killed. This is not 2013 marriage equality time. This is still pretty closeted time i think for most for most people and and in the suburbs especially so you know i didn't have a framework to come out and just accept that and i didn't and i just wanted someone to tell me 
is being gay right or wrong? Is this feeling that I'm having good or bad because I don't know if it's good or bad or not? And then when we say right or wrong, we're talking uh, morally? In general. In general. Right. I mean, we weren't, my family wasn't. On a spiritual level, is it right or wrong? Like, Right. And I was also asking myself like tough questions in general, like does God exist or not? We kind of grew up prayerful, I think is the best way to describe my family. We were very prayerful. My dad is still a very prayerful person. You know, he would call himself a Christian. He is a Christian. He believes in Jesus. But he more than anything, he's prayerful. He's spiritual. You know, we didn't have a moral framework that was given to us about like sex and sexuality and those things. Besides, you know, like my dad coming into my room and being like, here's some condoms. You should, you know, don't get a girl pregnant, which, you know, was the kind of the extent of it. And yeah. I, I'm just seeking out someone to tell me, is this good or is this bad? That's like what initially led me to the Mormon church was I just liked as a type A person <laughs> at that time, like, the black and white of it all, right? This is what God wants you to do. Boom, 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 boom. And then you get to go to heaven. And these are the things you're not supposed to do. Boom, 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 boom. And on that list was don't be gay. And I was like, okay, cool. And it was along with don't masturbate, don't drink coffee, don't have sex before marriage. All of these things that God didn't want me to do, but the blessings that were promised were like, great, I can do this. So you really use Mormonism as a vehicle to drive you into a, a particular direction that you saw for your life that repressed or completely remove your homosexuality. Absolutely. I didn't want to be gay, yes. period. And I wanted a way to, I wanted, I guess, a way to hide myself. A, 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 yeah, I guess a way to live that would make that acceptable. And, um, and so I joined the Mormon church. What we're unpacking uh -huh. is you had this moment that drove you to Mormonism. Mm -hmm. And, and you compartmentalized these feelings and suppressed all these desires. Right. And out of that, changed the course of your spirituality. What I've taken away from the Mormon church is a deep love for my fellow people. Mm -hmm. All I can say now, I spent so many years saying that I know, I know, I know, I know the Mormon church is true. I know God is alive. I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet. I know all these crazy things that the only thing I feel comfortable saying I know right now is that I don't really know anything. And I don't know if there's a God. I don't know if there's an afterlife. I'd like there to be one because I love my family and my friends. And I like the idea of us continuing on into eternity. Scientifically, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's possible. Who knows? I really, right. but I feel comfortable saying I don't know anything. What I do know as long as I am not hurting myself, as long as I'm not hurting other people, I, then I should be free to do whatever I want. And I think that's the same thing. That's how everyone should behave, you know? Yeah, for sure. If I'm not hurting you... And when you are entangled in that, that period of Mormon, you know, Mormonism, mm -hmm. you were hurting yourself. For sure. I was judging myself. When we talk about spirituality and how that fits in with being gay, it's about finding that balance that enables you to be your full self and find meaning for life outside of yourself. Right. The other day, I land, when I landed back from New York City the other day, I got off the plane and my bishop, my Mormon bishop from when I was 16, who's this great man, texted me. And he texted me a picture of the gift that I brought back from him, for him from Paraguay. And he said, I found this thing you gave me. It reminded me of you and your mission. I hope you look back on your mission as a time when you were 100% selfless, when you wandered the streets of Paraguay out of love for the Paraguayan people because you wanted to make their lives better and you, and you delivered a message to them that you believed would make their lives better. 
And when I look back on my mission now and my time in the Mormon church and that entire experience, I am so I am grateful that I did it because it made me a better person today. Mm -hmm. It made me selfless. It made me willing to sacrifice. I think it gave me a deep level of empathy that most people don't have. I am grateful I did that. And if the Mormon church said you can be gay and be Mormon, I would not run back there at all. I really find a lot of value in this thought that um, the Dalai Lama said, which is that we're all climbing the mountain of enlightenment. We're just all on different journeys and paths to get there. Some of us are going to switch back and go up to the top. Others of us are going to sit at the bottom and um, have orgies at bear kind. <laughs> and others of us are oh, going to take Flash helicopters bags. all the way up to the top. But it doesn't matter Uber how... Coppers, yeah, Uber exactly. It doesn't matter how we get to enlightenment. It just matters that we're working on enlightenment. And it matters that we get outside of ourselves and that we do something for the world. You know, as gay men and queer men, we... We are, it's necessary to be selfish, right? We have to be selfish for There's those a period years. that we go through where we are extremely selfish. And it's necessary. And I think, and it's definitely necessary. As you mentioned earlier, there aren't many role models or people for you to look forward, look up to and, and tell you how to be gay. Right. What's written on what is gay and how to be gay is written from a, a very a patriarchal perspective that doesn't do us any justice or doesn't make us feel any good about ourselves generally. Right. So you have to learn how to dig with inside yourself, accept yourself, and mm -hmm. then figure out what your walk is going to be exactly. as someone gay. And I think that that's the first phase that you do. You know, you kind of accept who you are and wh what that personal walk is in your, in your gay journey. And then you kind of circle back to your spirituality and realize how does that fit in and how do, how do they exist with one another? I really, I think I try my best to be a good friend and help other people, and that is rooted in my my Mormon years. And so, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Jesus. <laughs> I'm, a very, I'm a very giving person, if you will. <laughs> it's that time of the week. <laughs> Goody, goody. Goody, goody. I am excited. Every single week, I feel like we've got just these juicy, good stories. I have... How lucky we are. I know. <laughs> so it's time for the hottest hookup of the week. Are you all jealous of us? <laughs> oh, no, they're like, no, you're or whores, you you're whores, you you're whores. You guys are a bunch of dirty little... <laughs> Listen, I mean, we talked last week about sex positivity. We hope that you're all having some great positive sexual having, experiences as well. You're having meaningful sex. You're spreading that energy around. Absolutely. Um, you're, 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 you're enjoying your body. You're enjoying someone else's body. You're getting it popping. <laughs> Pop that pussy just like you should. <laughs> this is the hottest cup of the week. I think that it's your turn to go first. So, Arby, tell me, Henny. What do you want to know? Well, I want to know is what is the hottest hookup or experience that you've had in this past week uh this week it was i actually had a really interesting hookup i had a nice hot passionate foursome hmm. a friend and i took t a couple back to um, our place and it was pretty hot hmm. everybody involved was sexy it was nice chemistry the, the energy was there i'm by no means an expert on foursomes but i do enjoy group sex 
I think that, that hmm. <laughs> I think the cool thing or the the, Skeptical. the important thing about group sex is like an equal distribution of like attention, interest, interest, attraction, and attraction, time. Right. Everybody was paying. You know, everyone involved was into it at, right. the, at the same level of like passion and intensity, and you know, it was passionate. It, there was also one of the guys who was a really great kisser, which always really does it for me. Perfect. Yeah. Sounds like a good day. It was a good. It was a good. Good late, late, <laughs> a late night snack. Late if night, you will. Er, late night, early morning romp. <laughs> so, what you want to hear mine? What was yours? Well, <laughs> I don't want to make a big deal out of it. No, I, you know, this. I, I would say the hottest sex, the hottest hookup this week. I have a, a regular person that I enjoy seeing, and he came over, and I. You know, I'm not really one to. I'm a very. I'm about equality. I like equality in sex a lot, right? Like this equal balance of of both of us, make, just making sure that both people were taken care of. You know, and like you enjoy having selfless sex. Yeah, because I'm a Christian boy, <laughs> and I believe Jesus taught me. <laughs> That's interesting, though. Like you're not a selfish lover. I have a hard time being a selfish lover. I have a hard time like laying back and being like, come over here and suck my dick. For a while, I was like, oh, am I just like the submissive bottomy type guy? It's not even that. It's just sometimes it feels like really disconnected. However. Is that in all of Is that no. in all interactions no. or is this specific to this, this, this FB? This specific person, he has a, uh, does just a really good job of uh, bringing out this kind of dominant side of me that can really get into you know, taking control of the situation and being the dominant serviced person. And he came over to my house and gave me just amazing head and didn't want any type of reciprocation, which usually doesn't turn me on that much. He just really wanted to suck my dick. And nice. I, uh, I let him and uh, it was great. It was really good. You know, like, yeah, it was just fun and simple and it was hot. And, and, and go home. Go. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Easy hookup. Today's guest is Taylor Fry. He's an American actor best known for his critically acclaimed performance as Matt in Gabriel Muccino's Venice Film Festival hit Summertime. He was Topher in the teen comedy film GBF. And if you've been to Broadway, you may have seen him in Hairspray, Finian's Rainbow, South Pacific, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, and Radio City's Spring Spectacular. Taylor was born in Las Vegas, Nevada, where he first fell in love with show business. And after discovering musical theater, he went on to study acting, music, and dance at Brigham Young University, which is also my alma mater. He was quickly plucked from school to star as Link Larkin in the North American touring company of Hairspray. In addition to his film and stage work, Taylor has been seen on television in Days of Our Lives, in The Carrie Diaries, on Gossip Girl, The Betty White Special, and also Live from Lincoln Center. Taylor and I met in New York City after we both left BYU, and we have been friends ever since. We're so grateful that he's joining us for this episode of Powerverse. Welcome, hey, Taylor. Welcome, Taylor. Hey, how's it going? Going well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we're happy to uh, to have you today. We're really excited to have you. Uh, happy to be here. So today, we've been talking about the struggle and really diving into the struggle that we've had and many queer people have in squaring their religious and spiritual past with their sexuality. Seeing as you grew up Mormon, served a mission, and today still consider yourself a very spiritual person, how did you get to this point in your life? That is a, a, a big question that I could spend <laughs> a lot of time taking, responding to, but 
I think things changed for me when I got off of my mission in Brazil and uh, continued my studies as an actor at Brigham Young University. It was that year I had just turned 21. When you come off your mission um, in the Mormon culture, you're kind of expected to date and marry and have children pretty quickly, actually. The pressure is, is certainly on there. And so I got into relationships with women at school, one in particular. And it got to the point where we were getting down to, you know, making a lot of decisions about our future. And I just could not do it. I kind of turned to the church in terms of what would what was going to be the trajectory for my life at that point. If I wasn't going to be able to maintain a relationship with a woman, which is a whole other discussion, what what was I going to do? All of my leaders there basically said, as long as you don't act on this, you're okay. And I remember asking one of my bishops, I said, so as long as I don't act on it, I don't have to be in a relationship with a woman, but as long as I don't you know, proceed to be in a relationship with a man, I'm okay. And I'm, you know, worthy of the blessings of God. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I just, basically you're asking me to be alone to receive those blessings kind of. And they said, yes, a celibate life is not a bad life. And I said, well, you know, forget sex for a minute. Like what about just companionship? Just being able to share simple joys on a day-to-day basis with someone, that's something I want. And it was then that I decided that something was amiss. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. Something was wrong. (laughs) Something that I had been taught my whole life was no longer matching up. The first thing that I really realized was that I had to get out of my current situation, which was um, the middle of the school year at Brigham Young University. And as a believer in God, still... I do believe God works in mysterious ways. And I was presented with an opportunity of a lifetime that took me out of school almost immediately after a trip to New York and I auditioned for Hairspray the Musical and never thought in a million years I would get it. They offered me the lead role. And it was a great excuse to quit school because that's what I was studying to go do anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Awesome. So I got to leave. My whole world just opened up as I was finally exposed to people like me who were also entitled to happiness and much happier than than I certainly was or had ever been for that matter in my life. And I really started dissecting what was spirituality and what was religion and where the difference started to lie for me. So Hairspray saved you. Hairspray saved my Mormon gay ass. Was it hard for you to leave behind the Mormon church? I would love to say no, but yes, it was incredibly difficult. And if I'm being completely honest, it wasn't until recently that I was really able to kind of distance myself from the church. I think for many years, I've been trying to still make it work to some degree. I gave them a lot of credit and said, well, there's so, there is a lot of good there, which there is. There's a lot of things that I carry with me today that I'm very grateful for. But it came to the point recently, especially with the new policy change last year of even children having one gay parent not being able to be baptized in the church, that I just, I was done. I was really done. I had stood up for the church and tried to justify it and tried to make it make sense even as a gay man in a relationship. And after that, I no longer could. It's a shame that the church, a lot of these institutions have become their own repellent. Instead of opening their doors, they they claim to be so full of love and they're actually pushing people away with some of the stuff. It's really, it's unfortunate. It's too bad. What do you miss about the Mormon church, if anything? I miss the ritual of going to a house on Sunday that is reverent 
and quiet and peaceful with beautiful music. That part, they get very, very correct. It mm-hmm. is a serene place. It is a place to meditate. And I, I miss that. And they've really created an atmosphere there that is enticing that I have only found in one other place. Uh, thank goodness. And that, that's just a, a different topic. But it, I've, I found a different um, church house that is much more inclusive that I do get to go to on Sunday. So I don't have to miss it anymore. But for many years in my search, um, I did miss that. I would say that's what I missed. And that's about it. You said you found a, a different church house. Do you think that's, I guess, what advice would you give to someone that doesn't necessarily want to separate their spiritual or religious upbringing because they found, have found so much value in it for themselves and discovering you know, new, new spiritual outlets or church homes? How, how did that work for you? It was a long journey, for sure, uh, not to be mistaken. But anybody who finds a lot of good in their upbringing, but it's in contrast with who they are and there's a, there's a battle, I guess to them I would just say that there are other places out there that are all inclusive and are just as beautiful and will make you feel the spirit and will make you feel close to God and um, whatever you deem that to be. And they're there and they're there with their arms open for you. So can I ask, how do you identify today? I mean, I know you identify as a, as a spiritual person. Is there a specific... Well, what's your relationship with God like? Are you are you Christian? Do you ident- like? Do you have a relationship with Christ? I cannot call myself. A, I don't. The word Christian now has this annotation with it of the kind of people that I have kind of started to despise. These like, mm-hmm. I, well, I'm a Christian, and they justify everything under the moon under it. So that name to me now is tainted. So I don't know what to call myself except for. I really love God and Jesus, and uh, that's about it. I would say a lot of people have kind of ruined the Christian name for us, though, unfortunately. So please hold while I find a new name for us. So in GBF, you play Topher, a hypersexual, closeted, <laughs> Mormon, high school jock. You know, your character pursues the main character, Tanner, who's, you know, that cute, out-of-the-closet boy played by Michael J. Willett. The character of Topher really used... Tanner to indulge in his sexual desires and kind of used him as an outlet for his sexual repression. As you were playing him, did you have like empathy for Topher? I don't know. Was it sad to kind of put yourself back in that high school environment? Maybe I do. I I have a lot of empathy for Topher because when you're told that something is wrong and bad for so long, the ways that it comes out as you become a grown man can often be a little scary and dark and sometimes even dangerous. I just feel like Topher never had a chance to go to his high school prom with someone he's actually attracted to, you know, much like myself. You're forcing like these hold hands and these kisses, you know, in the back seats of the trucks that Tim McGraw sings about all these things that are supposed to be just magical. And it wasn't until years later when I actually kissed my first boy that I thought, oh my gosh, that's what it feels like. That is what the songs are written about. That is what kids get so giddy about in high school. And I had never, ever experienced that. And it does come out in weird ways. It it came out in weird ways for me in high school. It came out in, you know, a lot of sexual repression in Topher in the movie, you know, basically just attacking people at that point and then lying about it. You know, there's so, it can really mess a man up when you're not honest about those things from the start. It's just, it's a tricky thing. And we we do make light of it and we make jokes of um, young closeted gay teens. But the truth is as well, the suicide rates in Utah are skyrocketing. They're the highest they've been in, in many years. 
And that is from trying to live a false life. And that is from feeling so terrible about yourself from your entire community or being, you know, fearful about even speaking to your parents about it. You feel like you have no one. And I know that's quite the segue from a GBFT and comedy to, you know, high suicide rates in Utah. But, you know, it's related. It's it's a tricky, tricky thing. Absolutely. You recently got married. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> the wedding looked beautiful. The wedding was gorgeous. Uh, you know, it was yeah. kind of supposed to be like not a secret wedding because obviously Kyle and I have been very forthcoming about our who we are for, you know, many years, but we always thought that we would keep like the personal aspect of our lives like more personal, you know? Right. And the wedding was just geez, 30 people, just our family. And then suddenly it was, you know, in People magazine and Daily Mail UK <laughs> and just Jared was posting about it, so it it got out. Not that we were that shy about, you know, hinting that it was happening, but I mean, people really took it and ran with it. So you married your boyfriend, your long-term boyfriend, who's yes. a hunk. A hunk, Kyle Dean Massey. Mm-hmm. My Broadway my Broadway crush when I was younger mm-hmm. <laughs> turned friend. Mine too. Mine oh, too. I know, turned right? husband. I know. I that was the only. But you know this. Already. I know he's. It's a crush when that voice comes out. I know when I go like this. When that voice comes out, that means it was a crush. <laughs> you, know, you know this already, Taylor. But I. He's the only, and Kyle knows this too. But he was the only actor that I would stand outside the stage door to meet. And this is when I was still, you know, quote unquote, pretty straight. But he was the only one that I wanted to see and get a picture with. <laughs> he should be so honored by that. He should. Exactly. I loved showing him that picture. I'm, and actually, we'll post, I'll post the picture. Um, that is fantastic. Page. How does spirituality fit into your values as a married couple? That was an area of our relationship that required um, a lot of work. Because we both had really sh- kind of strong ideas about what, what we felt in that arena. You know, relationships consist of compromise and conversation and things just got a lot better for us. What do you mean by that? What type of compromises have you made? We made it work for each other and we changed um, to some degree certain things that were able to be changed. You know, he's a very open-minded, open-hearted person and, you know, he's really, for lack of a better term, come a long way in that arena and He's to me, if anyone were to ask now, I would, you know, deem him a very spiritual, very spiritual man. I'm like crying over here. Just jealous with that's a tricky, <laughs> that's a tricky question. That's I a very know. tricky question. I know. Uh, but, I mean, this, this is a podcast about sex. It's also about, you know, connection and authenticity. Do you think that your relationship with God has influenced the depth of your connection with Kyle? Yeah, Absolutely. There was multiple times in our relationship that I told him, I know there's more to be felt here. And I do believe some of that is on another plane of spirituality. This day-to-day existence with you is beautiful, but I know there is a stronger connection to be had. And for the first while that we were you know, dating, we knew we wanted to try to make it work. It wasn't really happening. And through certain experiences, you know, that are, you know, private and special, we were able to reach kind of another plane of connecting. And that is what solidified it for me. After that, I was like, okay, I can do this because I have not felt this with another man before until now. Either that was because, you know, I ditched out too quickly or it didn't work or we didn't try. But I knew I wanted to at least try that with Kyle, which is something different that I than I had felt before and you know, many of the other men that I had dated in my life. <laughs> I, I'm sure it's made your sex life better. Yeah, absolutely. When you're connected spiritually, I feel like sex is improved tenfold. Having said that, sometimes 
I do need it to just be barbaric and animalistic. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. (laughs) Once you have your person and you've decided that you're it for each other, like, why not go there with them to, you know, satisfy them in whatever way that may be and just be open to ideas and things other couples may deem as like weird or kinky. Like, I just think it's so important to be connected enough to go to all of those lengths and keep it fun and keep it interesting for years to come because that's mm-hmm. what keeps the marriage going too. Oh, for sure. Your newest movie is called Summertime. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's about a gay... I haven't. We haven't seen it yet because it's not widely released, but it's about a gay couple living in San Francisco that hosts a young conservative straight couple from Italy for a summer, right? Um, yes. Why don't you tell us about your role in the film and possibly when we can see it? Yeah, well, it just debuted at the Venice Film Festival, uh, which was r- a really exciting experience. Uh, Gabriele Muccino has defeated Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, and he's just, he's a fantastic director. I mean, his Italian, he's like kind of the Spielberg of, of Europe. My role in the film, I play Matt, who was straight all of his life, always had girlfriends, and then uh, starts dating his girlfriend's little brother behind her back a little bit. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's very dramatic. The whole sequence, that sequence in the film is pretty crazy and a little uncomfortable so then he moves to san francisco with uh the boy paul and they kind of start their life together and then these two italians they agree to host kind of um uh just to be generous through a friend they say they can stay with them and the one girl from italy is very close-minded and you know as honestly italy is quite a ways behind us um, in terms of gay rights and gay marriage and just being out in the open as a gay man i mean they they've got a ways to go honestly so it's not that far-fetched so that's kind of what the film's about and when you can see it well it's doing a run in europe right now i know it opens in france in a couple weeks and you know um it's been purchased pretty much all over europe from what i understand it will be playing in art houses here next spring awesome i'm excited what's next for you then so what's on the horizon what are your goals you are a married man now. <laughs> what do you see in the future? Well, I'm actually on hold for something right now that I'm re- I really hope I get. So I'll keep you posted on that. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm auditioning again, you know. Um, after the Venice Film Festival, things changed for me in terms of the kind of work I want to do. So it's a, it's a weird place to be in as I'm becoming a grown man and kind of being able to be a bit more choosy about the types of projects I want to be involved in. And that, that's an exciting thing um, and also a tricky thing. Besides that, uh, I want to keep traveling. Within the next five years, Kyle says he wants to have kids, and I'm like, I might need like seven or eight. But <laughs> I mean, Kyle's a little older than you. <laughs> yes, he is. And what's funny is when we started dating, he wasn't sure if he even wanted kids, and now I he's remember. like, I definitely want them, and we're having them. I need to have them before this age. So it's uh, it's funny how life changes and people grow and start to want different things. It's a beautiful thing. Definitely. Ah, it makes me so happy. I'm so happy for you guys. We're both are. Thanks. Thank you. The last question I have is, as you know, our podcast is called Powerverse. And so I wanted to know, first of all, what does Powerverse mean to you? And secondly, do you consider yourself a Powerverse? <laughs> I don't know. You know, there's a book called the power of now that that phrase also reminds me of power verse and that book seem to go hand in hand both spiritually and sexually power verse seems to elicit a response in me that builds an image in my mind of a strong human being who owns who they are 
owns what they want to do in this life and owns their sexuality and uses that as well. You know, people fear away from that so much, especially in the culture that I came from. And I say put on those tight jeans and walk down the street and get those looks and enjoy it and own it. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's definitely about the sex. It's about owning who you are. It's about being comfortable with who you are. It's about not excluding any possibilities from your life because of your sexuality. And instead, um, really knowing that you can have anything you want out of your life. You can have it all. You don't have to be limited because of who who you decide to, to sleep with. I think that is a good school of thought. And I will say for me, in my own life, um, the minute I started being comfortable with who I was and forthright about that, my life started to change. My love life changed. My career started to change for the better. And I've only seen positive things come from that. So... Well, we love you. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're so grateful that you took some time out of your busy schedule to come into the studio and talk to us. Thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. Wow. Great episode. That was excellent. That was deep. (laughs) That was deep. That (laughs) was heavy. We dove deep that time. I personally enjoyed it, and I hope listeners enjoyed this episode as well. Yeah. I'm really proud of you for... Uh, being vulnerable and sharing your beliefs because I do think, I think it's, I think sometimes it's harder to be a Christian and gay and admit that and like own that. And so mm-hmm. that's really beautiful too. You're very welcome. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Also a special thanks to Taylor Fry for joining us. His story and his background is just as interesting and uh, we were so happy that he joined us. As always, follow us on Twitter at PowerVersePC, on Instagram at PowerVersePodcast, and our Facebook page at PowerVerse. Please check out our website, www.PowerVerse.com where you can listen to all of our episodes. Yeah, and remember, we always want to hear from you guys. Send us your comments, your woofs, your likes, and your ideas to PowerVersePodcast at gmail.com. And we definitely unpacked some material today. So please share it. We love reviews. Give us your feedback and review us. I'm RB. I'm Michael. And thanks for listening to Powerverse.